coming up this week on the Single Seater Space podcast. I'm going to say Alex Blow gets his worst finish of the year. What will raise eyebrows, I think, in the paddock is if Mercedes are strong in Canada as well as strong in Spain. Remember, you can find all of our content on our website, singleseaterspace.co.uk, and on our social media using the at singleseaterspace. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Single Seater Space podcast ahead of both the Canadian Grand Prix and the Sancio Grand Prix of Road America in IndyCar. We are here, of course, to preview both of those rounds and apologies for the lateness of last week's episode. We had some technical difficulties, which meant even though we released it, so even though we recorded it uh, the day after both the Spanish Grand Prix and the Chevrolet Grand Prix of Detroit, in fact, it was only released yesterday, which means for all of you lucky folk who listen to this, you will be getting back-to-back podcasts for the first and perhaps only time in the history of the Single Seater Space podcast. Um, So that should be, of course, a treat. I am once again joined by Taryn Glazebrook, Formula One and Formula E experts for our website. And of course, with myself, James Scott, who does all the IndyCar on our website, singleseaterspace.co.uk. And we'll start with the Canadian Grand Prix because we always seem to start with Formula One before heading across to IndyCar. And even though they're running at the exact same time, um, looks like we'll have to be watching on two separate screens. But uh, Taryn, how excited are you for the Canadian Grand Prix? quickly and then how many seconds does max verstappen win it by okay after the whole max verstappen dominance around spain it it, it ain't looking too good for us f1 fans at the moment we, we just seem to arrive at a f1 race weekend and presume verstappen is gonna win every single weekend and well i don't i'm not even gonna say we're presuming perez is gonna come second anymore the guy hasn't even finished on the podium in the last two races he hasn't got through to q3 in the last two races um and he now trails his teammate by a long way indeed um so yeah i'm gonna immediately predict verstappen is gonna dominate this race like he did in spain probably not to the set i'm gonna say a 22nd victory for verstappen is about to come our way as I suggest all of you to watch the Sancio Grand Prix at Road America instead of the F1, because I am sadly going to predict a boar fest around Canada. Um, I'm trying to jinx this as much as possible here. But, um, you know, Canada can produce brilliant races, but sadly I don't see one coming this weekend. Well, yes, arguably the greatest race in Formula 1 history happened at, of course, the circuit Gilles Villeneuve 12 years ago when Jensen Button went from essentially last to first, making five pit stops, a drive-through penalty, a puncture, two crashes, and took the lead on the very last lap uh, to take that win. And, um, yeah, as you say, uh, the Canadian Grand Prix could be a slow one. Last year, Max Verstappen and Carlos Sainz dueled for the win, which meant that Max Verstappen won the race. And... um, in that uh, it was it was quite a decent battle, but uh, yeah, no, Max Verstappen's racecraft was just far superior. Um, we've of course got some things to pick up on. I'll just quickly predict that yeah, Max Verstappen will win by seventeen seconds in Canada. Um, see if we can get some decent predictions out there. Um, but no, uh, moving back to some more of the talking points then. We've discussed Sergio Perez a lot on this podcast and how he uh, his championship fight is basically very much over, considering Verstappen is well over two wins with fastest lap ahead of his teammates. So the more intriguing battle now is for second in the constructors between Aston Martin, Ferrari and Mercedes. 
After a disappointing weekend in Spain for the Scuderia and for Aston Martin, which team do you expect to bounce back? And uh, can any of them take the fight to uh, Red Bull even? Yeah, as much as I'd love to say Aston Martin here, Ferrari do tend to kind of suit these straight line circuits a lot more. So Canada should hopefully suit Ferrari. You were talking about last year, of course, Carlos signs um, with that strategy, kind of able to try and fight Verstappen to the end, but unfortunately not able to come out on top. But another driver who is certainly looking to have better luck this weekend is Charles Leclerc. Um, of course, um, I was saying how sad Leclerc is after last week, after last race weekend. Um, and of course, last weekend, we found uh, Antonio Giovinazzi has a better racing legacy than Mr. Charles Leclerc as uh, he went and won the 24 hours of Le Mans in Ferrari. So who knows? Um, Ferrari could pull off a good strategy for the first time in a long time. Well, I say that. Their, their strategy team in Le Mans did a job. They decided to perform for the full 24 hours. But their F1 strategy team uh, can't seem to last for one lap. Um, so, of course, uh, Charles Leclerc is kind of standing here thinking, when can my luck turn in 2023? Um, I do see him having a little bit of a fight back. I kind of, I see him coming, kind of having a similar weekend to the one he had in Baku, where he did so brilliantly uh, to get pole position and then, of course, kind of did all he could in that Ferrari and finish on the podium. But um, I mentioned Aston Martin. Alonso said that Spain would be his last race without a podium straight after he got strolled at his home race. Um, Alonso. Do you think this guy can finally get... I'm not going to say a race win, because I don't really see Aston Martin getting a race win. But do you think Alonso is going to show some serious game this weekend? And can Aston Martin get that second place back in the Constructors? Well, I think I think what it really hangs on um, is, is the people that are just in front of Aston Martin in the Constructors. And that is Mercedes. And the fact that the W14 came alive around Spain in the same way that the W13 did the year before. But in fast straights and very slow corners, which Canada has, the W13 struggled. What will raise eyebrows, I think, in the paddock is if Mercedes are strong in Canada as well as strong in Spain because it means they have a good baseline across the board because they're two vastly different circuits, one being a permanent road course with undulation and um, fast corners, slow corners, um, everything, whereas Canada is very much slow corners and long straights, and that's it. Uh, I think if Mercedes are fast here and can deny Aston Martin and Ferrari, it will show that they perhaps now have the best baseline to go and challenge Red Bull with the side pods on the car. And so, yes, of course it's possible. We saw just how good the form was of Aston Martin early doors in the season. You know, Alonso finished um, on the podium every single race up until... Uh, up until the Spanish Grand Prix. And I wouldn't be surprised if Alonso is back on the podium. But um, as I say that, you know, we talk the most about Mercedes because they are the most eye-catching in the sense that they have been so up and down and they are arguably, you know, one of the biggest teams on the grid, eight-time world champions up until, uh, up until very recently. So, of course, we're going to talk about them. If they are fast this weekend, it'll really send shockwaves, I think, around... 
the entire paddock in the fact that they are now very much the second best team across the board. So yeah, I see I see Aston being stronger than Mercedes this weekend. But then again, we haven't seen all the upgrades on the Mercedes in every type of corner. So you know you can never be uh, you can never be too sure. But I I think for this weekend, Aston Martin have the advantage before we then go to some more Mercedes circuits like Austria, Hungary, Silverstone, etc., etc., etc. How do you see that battle for second going between... I mean, can will Lewis Hamilton continue his solid form of finishing uh, second, you know, twice this season, which essentially is a race win at this point? Yeah, I mean, Lewis has been... has, sh- has, has shown signs of him coming back to his best. Um... Certainly a second place at Spain was a pretty brilliant drive from him. Um, of course, though, Mercedes, uh, you say they're kind of... The, the low parts in the W13 were those kind of slow-speed corners and certainly down the long straights. Um, we saw around Spain, at least, kind of with the help of DRS, their straight-line speed wasn't half bad. I mean, it wasn't, let's say, a Red Bull DRS straight-line um, Adrian Newey masterclass. But, um, you know... I'm kind of looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, Mercedes, I know they've got upgrades coming to Silverstone. Um, I believe they're having a new front wing or something that's going to come along soon. Um, but, you know, hopefully kind of with the upgrades, can we see them performing around Canada? I do I do slightly think so. Um, I think it'll be a more Mercedes versus Ferrari battle more than a Mercedes versus Aston Martin battle. Because Aston Martin, they haven't... I don't think they really have shown their kind of straight line prowess because every single time we, I mean, corners, Alonso loves some corners. He can break a bit later, carry a bit more speed, and that's where we just see Alonso doing his masterclass stuff. But, um, you know, Mercedes, as you're saying, if, if they do perform this weekend, if they do show pace, it will certainly send a lot of eyebrows raising across the whole grid. But another team, McLaren. So we saw them perform in qualifying and then have... A ridiculous, like, you know, you talk about, like, you have a line and you have polar opposites. Their qualifying was so good, and yet their race pace was so bad. Like, I certainly do feel McLaren certainly need to come back a little bit into this season after that Spanish Grand Prix. Because I was saying, you know, at the start of the season, they were so poor. At the start of the season, they had the slowest car on the grid. They have come back. They're behind Alpine. I'm not... I'm I'm saying that there is a slight Alpine McLaren battle going on at the moment for fifth in the in the constructors, but you know McLaren they they just don't find that kind of way to get those kind of big points uh, weekends that Alpine do, especially after Esteban Ocon's podium at Round Monaco. But you know Mika Hakkinen said some pretty um, he said some words saying that McLaren are going to challenge Red Bull in the next two months. Um, what is this guy cooking? Um, we all know that the guy uh, went on his sabbatical. Um, Mika, I'm, exp- I'm I'm still waiting for that race comeback, you know, mate. But um, you say McLaren, they're going to challenge Red Bull in the next two months and you can't even get a point around Spain. Um, where do we go from here? Yeah, uh, I, I I was having a look because I, th- I think last year McLaren really underperformed around Canada, right? Because for me, Canada is a reasonably similar circuit to Imola, which was, of course, by far their best race weekend in 2022. In terms of looks, long straights, slow corners, etc., fast chicanes, um, you know, that, that kind of track. 
but it wasn't to be last year. And McLaren certainly have underperformed in 2023. I, I don't think that's a shock. Um, and, you know, what Mika Hakkinen said, he also said that Lewis Hamilton doesn't look motivated. For me, he looks motiv- more motivated than ever to be back at the front. Um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think Mika Hakkinen really is, uh, is, is, is functioning properly at the moment. Um, someone, you know, when you watch Tuned with Mika Hakkinen, he was a, he was a Finnish superhero. Um, someone needs to plug in that version of Mika once more because... Um, yeah, no. Some of the comments that he made was certainly, you know, not not well reasoned. I don't think. I don't. I don't see this. Is we're in a budget cap era. I see zero chance of McLaren fighting back to Red Bull in two months. Uh, I see zero chance of anyone fighting back. Um, Christian Horner said it would take until the Japanese Grand Prix for uh, everyone to copy Red Bull's floor that they saw when it was lifted up in Monaco, which means this could be a Hall of Fame Japanese Grand Prix in uh, <laughs> come October. But um, but no, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think McLaren are in for another tough weekend, and certainly, if you look back at last year, Alpine versus um, McLaren at the Canadian Grand Prix, one team performed, the other one lost lost ground in that fight, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens once more. Um, so if we move slightly further towards the back of the grid. Then I guess the last driver that we should really talk about, because or the last two drivers we should really talk about, because certainly they're having their best seasons in formula 1 and one of them produced their best race weekend in formula in in their formula 1 career joe guan yu around spain was extremely impressive he's definitely come into his own in 2023 um even though the alfa romeo was not as up to scratch as it was at the start of 2022 where bottas scored a lot of points and joe kind of just missed out um what do, what do you think? Do you think now Joe Guanyu really establishing himself as a as a as a decent level driver, especially with the fact that silly season is around the corner and there are some 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 young drivers snapping on the heels of that Alfa Romeo seat? Um, yeah, Joe Guanyu, and then of course we've got to talk about Yuki Tsunoda as well because he's he's been massively outperforming his teammate, outdriving the Alfa Tauri car. Um, yeah. Just some, just some thoughts on uh, on the perhaps the two stars of the lower midfield this season. Yeah, Joe Guanyu has been mightily impressive. His teammate Valtteri Bottas is a race winner and was constantly challenging Lewis Hamilton sometimes. Like he's no slouch, and Joe Guanyu put in an awesome drive. It it was brilliant around Spain. Um, points in the Alfa Romeo, which. I mean, the Alfa Romeo, it's not the worst car, but then again, it's it's the mid car of the season, in my opinion. Probably just below mid, but anyway. Uh, yeah, that was a mightily impressive drive. And uh, just as you were talking about, I think Joe Guanyu is probably the unnoticed driver of the season so far. He puts in good performances that kind of get overlooped sometimes. And I feel, I feel Spain was kind of the first time we really took notice of him. As he was, I think he was he was battling Yuki Tsunoda. Um, as you, you're talking about him, I'll mention him in a bit. But you know, he was doing a mostly impressive job to kind of battle an Alpha Tauri. Um, and Yuki Tsunoda's also no slouch, and uh, he received a five second grid penalty for pushing him off, which was, um, you know, as James said, it was slightly interesting. We all saw uh, Max Verstappen do a similar thing on lap one, and uh, let's just say, um, Colossons uh, thought the better of him, out because he knew that Verstappen was gonna 
uh, do his usual thing of shutting the front door as fast and as hard as possible. Uh, I won't say any more about that because otherwise Verstappen fans are going to come and kill me. But, you know, Joe Grant, you've been mostly impressive. And Yuki Tsunoda, I've said he's been the underrated driver of the season so far. He was so consistent getting P10, P11, P10 in that AlphaTauri, which is a dog of a car. It's not the it's not the best car AlphaTauri has made. It is one of the worst cars they have made. Um, but Yuki Tsunoda, as you're saying, out, 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 outclassing his teammate, Nick DeFries. And, um, you know, Nick, he's... He's not he's not doing a great job by any means like he's under a whole load of pressure. I, I said I said this a few podcasts ago that he was on a huge amount of pressure and that um, Helmut Marco was certainly thinking about firing him and putting someone in to his seat. And uh, Nick certainly did kind of sit upright um, a bit startled. And, uh, you know, he, he has picked up his performance a little bit. But, mate, you're really going to have to put in some like you need to fight your teammate at the very least like in f1 right your marker's always your teammate if your car is crap which the alpha tower to be fair isn't pretty bad then you have to do the bare minimum is beat your teammate we're seeing that in williams um alex albon is beating logan Sargent, which was expected but albon today kind of praising Sargent for the his adaptability in that williams which you know as james said the the rebel was risen into the air and we could all see the floor and then we saw the williams risen to the air and we saw the most basic um kind of least complex um kind of design flaw you'll ever see like you kind of know which team is at the front of the grid and which one's kind of struggling at the back but anyway your main mark is your teammate and nick defries really is not doing well against yuki sonoda at the moment um do you think nick is under some i said he was under pressure a few races ago but do you think he's kind of noticing that pressure do you think he's kind of starting to turn around the season for a bit because we know what he can do stuff in an f1 car yeah well firstly when we talk about the williams floor when i i like to think about the williams floor or the thing i saw about it it's like when you play um learn to fly when you were in primary school on the computers and you had to start with the very basic wooden plank as your sledge that's basically how i uh how i thought about it when i described it um but yes, no, uh, if you never played Learn to Fly in, in primary school, and we're both 19, um, it, that was that was a Play fantastic it. game in uh, <laughs> when I was about 10 or 11 years old. But sorry, back to the back to the point. Um, yeah, no, I feel like Nick DeVries has started to improve, but at the same time, I was st- I'm still baffled as to why he was in the seat in the first place. I know he was there because of his performance at Monza, but that was basically out of reaction, that Red Bull were worried that someone else might snap him up. And I'm I'm confused because the purpose of Alpha Tauri is to provide replacements for eventually when Max Verstappen leaves or retires, when Sergio Perez leaves, perhaps even at the end of this season or next season. That's that's what they're there for. And while Sonoda is really, you know, shaping himself into being that started a little bit like Max Verstappen in that he started very hot headed headed, rather rash, um, has now matured into actually a reasonably solid team leader. Um and it's too early to judge Nick De Vries, but there aren't. There's not much to work with. You know, I can't. I haven't seen anything that really excites me in the same way that Sonoda was pulling off great moves in Bahrain um, in his very first race. 
Um, maybe DeVries is just a slow starter, but I've always found it baffling. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think DeVries may just be a flash in the pan for 2023 before someone like Liam Lawson is is back in. Um, yeah, that's just just my uh, too much, just my two cents. But um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Yuki certainly gave us some beautiful radio moments talking about traffic paradises. Oh, well, he, st- he still does. <laughs> yeah, still uh, does. Right. I think I think he's appreciated the traffic paradise and um, and has, has moved it forward. Certainly, when when you know the beat machine, when, when it's on Yuki Tsunoda, it's very active indeed. Um, the guy certainly uh, loves talking about stuff. The guy didn't want to become F1 world champion. He wanted to open his own restaurant. But uh, you know that's Yuki Tsunoda, really. We 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 love Yuki. Like he's he's one of those lovable characters that you cannot hate at all. And you know when he's in when he's in the F1 car, he's always switched on. He's going to his max. Yes, he pushes pushes it a bit too hard every so often. We saw that last season when um he did struggle a little bit against Pierre Gasly. But um I think this is where Gasly really came into his own as a team leader. And our product is this Yuki Tsunoda we're seeing in 2023, a fired up Japanese Lionheart, who is probably, he's got the, one of the biggest personalities. And, uh, you know, whilst he may be one of the smallest people, we all do love Yuki Tsunoda. And uh, he certainly is performing brilliantly. Um, but, you know, you're talking about Nick DeFries. Um, I mentioned Logan Sargent. Um, he's certainly, I feel he's doing better than Latifi was. I do certainly feel he's doing a little bit better than Latifi was in that Williams because, you know, you know, you, you can't really judge um, the rookie. Uh, you can't really judge him on a lot, to be honest, because the Williams, um, it's a Williams. Like, it's pretty explanatory. Uh, Albon is doing the best he can in that and he's struggling to get a point. Um, and Logan Sargent, I feel, even though he's at the back of the grid, even though I feel like, yes, he's being outqualified and outpaced by his teammate, which is, you know, Alex Albon. I do love talking about Alex Albon. He is just a brilliant driver. He is the best driver on the grid. Um, anyway, um, as James looks at me, very puzzled. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, if, if, you know, Albon could outperform Verstappen. But, um, you know, Sargent certainly was, um, he's doing a brilliant job in that Williams. Um, certainly, the rookies, you talk about Oscar Piastri, I do, I do feel that the rookies this year are doing actually pretty well compared to their teammates, apart from De Vries. Um, Do you have any other words? Yeah, I mean, in the rookie, the rookie, the rookie. Uh, yeah, the last thing we talk about in Formula One, we can talk about the rookies because um, six or seven races is a decent amount to judge. Piastri has been certainly the most impressive, but with your CV, if he and the drama that he caused last summer with that McLaren seat, if he wasn't the most impressive, he really, really might have shot his complete career in the foot. Um, I think Sargent has shown good signs. I wouldn't agree with you in the say that you say he's been really impressive because really impressive would be to string a whole race weekend together. And in where there were signs of good pace, very strong practice, got into Q2 in the sprint qualifying, maybe even to Q3 into the sprint qualifying. He then put it in the wall in Azerbaijan, ruined the rest of the weekend, etc., etc. So there have been flashes, and I agree that... He's doing a better job than De Vries, but I really would like to see an entire complete race weekend where he's on pace with Albon and, you know, really 
bringing that car slightly further up the grid. Not that he's doing a bad job, and um, but yeah, that's just my two cents. And then, yeah, De Vries' bin has not really shown me so much. And from one driver, perhaps underperforming, um, we go from another who was underperforming and actually got sacked uh, mid-season. Um, the Sonsio Grand Prix of Road America is this weekend in IndyCar. And actually... We learnt some news over the last few days that Ed Carpenter Racing had mutually parted with Connor Daly. But upon reading both statements from the team and from the driver themselves, um, I'm not sure there was anything very mutual about it. I think Ed Carpenter Racing have been frustrated with how their team has performed this season, much worse than they did certainly last year. Uh, and definitely in 2021. I mean, I don't know what's happened, but ever since Renus VK was taken out of the Sonax Chevy, um, it seems to have just fallen like a stone. The streets will never forget 2021 and early 22 Renus VK with that Sonax Chevy. Like that is literally the most streets won't forget driver I can I, I can feel in IndyCar at the moment in the equivalent of a Delta Rapt for those that watch football or JJ Acosta etc etc. The ones that weren't superstars, but the ones that caught the eye with flashy flashy moments. Um, that didn't last very long. Streets won't forget 2021-22, Sonax, Chevy, Renus, VK. Um, but yeah, Connor Daly out of Ed Carpenter Racing. And in comes 2012 Series Champ, 2014 Indy 500 winner, Ryan hunter Ray. I've got lots to say about it, but I'm sure Taron does as well, which means Taron can start with it. Um, are you surprised to see Connor Daly sacked mid-season? Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure. I see him in the standings. He's 20 points behind his teammate, Renus VK. He hasn't exactly... I mean, we gave him the mid-driver of the race weekend last time. Like, P15 to P15 is, you know, not exactly going to raise many eyebrows when it comes to silly season comments or, you know, elsewhere. And certainly, as I talked about, the first thing in F1, you compare yourself against your teammate in IndyCar you kind of do the same and he is being outperformed by Renus VK who is a young Dutchman and Connor Daly is a person who has so much experience and well the more you kind of see it the more it kind of it might seem a little bit right you know it does seem a bit a tiny bit harsh but um you know if they were, I feel I feel like if they were gonna make a move doing it after the, I feel like the Indy 500 is such a huge marker in the IndyCar series season that um, kind of anything could happen afterwards, especially considering mid-season driver changes. And lo and behold, straight after Detroit, where we have we had four IndyCar seasons, I think IndyCar weekends in a row or something like that. And lo and behold, we have a driver swap, and RHR is back. The 2012 season champion is back. Um, certainly properly after he got, I think it was like 20 points or something at the Indy 500, something like that. Um, and certainly he is a driver who can certainly impress massively. I'm going to go to the IndyCar expert here. James, what did you think about it? Well, Connor Daly's one of the most likable drivers on the grid, but unfortunately likable doesn't score points and... Whilst his record of the Indianapolis 500 is very good and he put in some really good qualifying attempts, certainly at Iowa last year, um, the results just haven't really come for whatever reason. And because of that, certainly Ed Carpenter Racing underperforming. They've got VK on a lucrative long-term contract because he was perhaps the most sought-after driver last year 
in silly season, which was really quite silly in terms of IndyCar and Formula One and all of that. Um, so, yes, um, I can see why they've done it. And also I can see why they brought in Ryan Hunter Ray. I feel like of the free agents around, there's nobody I would want more to help me improve my car for next season. Because I doubt I doubt Ryan Hunter Ray is there for the long ride, right? I suspect he's only here until the end of the season in order to try and figure out what's wrong. And, you know, having such an experienced driver, a series champ, an Indy 500 winner, buckets of experience working in the top teams. I mean, the last non-Penske and Ganassi driver to win the championship. Um, and although he had a, had a terribly unlucky, tough, disappointing run in 2021, um, you know, 2022... Is, uh, is is hopefully, you know, was is going to be better. Sorry, 2023 is hopefully better for um, Ryan Hunter-Ray. Um, finished 11th at the Indy 500 in Dry and Reinbold, so he's been using a Chevy engine as well for this season. So I can see why they've done it. Um, and I think it's preparation for bringing a rookie driver in then next season. I would be very surprised if anyone other than Linus Lundqvist is driving that car next season. 2022 Indy Lights champion who... In 20, well, up until 2022, and then from 2022, the Indy Lights champion has to run three IndyCar races plus the Indianapolis 500 as part of the scholarship program awarded. But for some reason, that didn't happen after 2022. I think there were some issues with funding. They've now got that for 2023, and they had that in 2020 and 2021, which is why David Malukas and Carl Kirkwood both run all of last season. Um, not that they aren't brilliant drivers anyway, but that's why we don't see Linus Lundqvist on the grid, but we do see Stingray Rob and Benjamin Peterson, who finished second and fifth in that championship, respectively. I can see why they've done it, but yeah, it will be disappointing to miss out on Connor. Um I, I think I, I saw it coming as well. I didn't expect it to come mid-season, but I did see. I, I did think that he'd be leaving Ed Carpenter because he uh, his Instagram post after the New 500 said, I hope we get an opportunity to do this race again. And from that moment, I very much knew that uh, his uh, his Ed Carpenter racing time at least had come to an end. But yeah, um, he's a, I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's obviously a very solid driver. He's racing for Dryan Reinbold. Um, in uh in 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 sports cars or tin tops this this season for the rest of the weekend so you know there's stuff there for connor daly but um, obviously very disappointing but now we go i guess we're in crunch time championship indy 500 is behind us the indy 500 fallout is also behind us um as you know joseph newgarden is no longer parading around media tours we're at Road America, where Newgarden himself secured the $1 million for the People Ready Force for Good Challenge for winning on a road course, a street circuit, and an oval. So far, only Newgarden and Pelot have won um, to more than one race this season. Um, but Pelot couldn't do it because Road America, of course, is not an oval. And Newgarden has run both oval races, so he could try and continue that People Ready Challenge by winning this weekend. I feel like with the new pavement on Road America... And how it will go, it will be Team Penske versus Alex Pelot. That is how I'm feeling this race weekend. And so for my predictions, because we'll start with the predictions. I've actually been talking for so long. Sorry about that. Um, the For the uh, predictions, pole sitter will be Scott McLaughlin. Race winner will be Joseph Newgarden. And surprise of the weekend will be that... Ryan Hunter Ray will finish in the top 10 on his return to Ed Carpenter Racing. Uh, I can see Taron um, 
not very happy with that because I suspect he's thought of that exact same prediction as well. So, Taron, what is your pole sitter, race winner and surprise IndyCar prediction of the weekend? Mate, you're throwing two curveballs. I mean, because one, one, I'm, I don't really keep up with the IndyCar news as much as James does, and I certainly didn't see the kind of new pavement and stuff. Uh, meaning that we are certainly going to have a Team Penske Palace on against um, Alex Pillow battle going on, and certainly I didn't see James going out and certainly copying my predictions um, of my surprise of Ryan Hunter in the top ten as James tries to put the thug life kind of meme uh, with the headband and sunnies. But anyway, um, I'm just going to say my predictions anyway. They're going to seem really stupid now, but um, You can anyway. have the Ryan Hunter A prediction. Um, we we just say... both get a point when it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll have to go for something different. We, we like doing predictions because um, I've gone for something very rogue. Which is which is probably normal to be honest. Um, I love a rogue prediction, but um, I've gone for two F one X F one drivers doing well this weekend. I've said Grosjean is going to get another pole position this season. I'm going to say Marcus Ericsson wins around Road America. Something which um, I'm sure James would really enjoy. What what like anyway? But um, anyway, and my surprise, I'm going to say Alex Pelot gets his worst finish of the year. Oh no, he's going to finish ninth. That would be terrible. I'm going to no, I'm going to no, no, no. I'm I'm going to say he finishes outside the top ten. Well, that's interesting because last year at Road America, Alex Pelot and Marcus Ericsson hit each other on lap four. Um, so that was that that was a fun one. It was actually the tiniest bit of contact that meant Alex Pelot's toe link broke. Um, so obviously disappointment for the Spaniard. Um, I I would really like Marcus Ericsson to win, but now you've said it, you've jinxed it, and he's obviously going to do badly. That's how this works. So, uh, Taron is so spiteful about me choosing the Ryan Hunter A prediction before he did that he's deliberately trying to jinx, of course, my favourite driver. Um, now, with I guess if we're going to talk about Marcus Ericsson and Alex Pelot, neither of them have finished outside the top 10 this season. That's 16 finishes in the top 10, which in the most competitive series with 27 full-time cars is some achievement at the moment to not finish outside the top 10 for either of them. And it's no wonder that those two are first and second in the championship. Alex Pelot is ahead in the championship because I think for Marcus Ericsson, it's turning those sort of eighth places, 10th places. I know he finished 10th only once, but those eighth places, those sevenths, Alex Pelot turns those into fourths and fifths. And that's really where this championship is won. They've got the same number of podiums this season, but it's those lower top 10 finishes which... Alex Pelot turns into high top 10 finishes, which is what's really hurting, I guess, Marcus Ericsson's proper dig at the championship um, and how Alex Pelot won a championship for himself in 2021. Um, we talked about being a Penske paradise. That doesn't mean that it will be, but it might be. Because on the permanent road courses, it's been Alex Pelot and Scott McLaughlin who've won them. But Christian Lungard was on pole position at the NDGP. That was a road course. Um, it was It is flat as a pancake, the NDGP, whereas Road America is very lumpy. Do you see RLL fairing rather well? I mean, Christian Lungard's car is bright, luminous green this weekend. Um, it, one of those lime green cars that you will have to take your eyes off because otherwise you'll be scorched through the television. Um, how do you see RLL fairing this weekend? Probably after, you know, the big three, uh, the big four, the most talked about team, but not in a good way. 
Um, what do you think? Um, well, certainly if he doesn't do well, we'll still be able to notice him at the back of the grid. But anyway, um, we were talking about Graham Rahal uh, needed a weekend off, needed a, needed a whole week off to recover from his brutal era around Detroit. And certainly um, he'll be hoping to recover what has not been the best season. He, is, he's, he's, he hasn't got 100 points yet this season. He's behind Marcus Armstrong in the championship. And, well, Marcus hasn't even been racing full time. Um, he hasn't even, like, he hasn't. He, he didn't race in the Indy 500. He didn't race in Texas. Yeah, he's still ahead of Graham Rahal in the championship. Um, but you talked about um, Lungard. Certainly was a very impressive feat by him to get pole position in that RLL car. Certainly when the, t when the team needed a pole position or a good performance the most... He put that performance in, and it was it was uh, it was it was utterly brilliant. It was beautiful. Lungard certainly showing why he is on this IndyCar grid. Um, but certainly, yeah, you you were saying that we had we had some Chip Ganassi civil war. Um, we talked. I talked a little bit about Grosjean. Um, his Andretti teammate Colton Herta certainly needs a strong weekend. I feel um, he hasn't been too great this season. Um, and certainly last year, he, he he proved that you can make overtakes around Road America. Certainly restarts are going to be a huge factor this weekend. Probably, probably race restarts and pit stops are going to be huge factors this weekend. Certainly the only reason Newgarden, well, one of the only reasons Newgarden won last year was because Alexander Rossi um, didn't have the best first pit stop, I think it was. But um, yeah, certainly Colton Herta needs a strong weekend. Roman Grosjean needs a clean weekend. A little bit different. He needs a clean weekend. A guy who's crashed in most of the races this season. Four um, out of the Road seven. Yeah, yeah, most of the races, four out of the seven, as James just said. But um, certainly, uh, you know, Road, Road America, you have the carousel, well, some of the fastest corners on the Indy, Indy, on the, uh, Indy car calendar. And certainly Simon Pagano, I think it was, did his best to keep it out of the walls last year. In probably one of the... Yeah, the kink at Road America. Yeah, one of the best saves we saw. Um, but, um, you know, drivers who need fight back, who who, who do you feel um, can perform and get a good fight back into this season? Well, we're saying that um, Well, this person needs a good weekend, Herta, Grosjean, etc. Everybody except Alex Pelot needs a good weekend. Because otherwise, the Spaniard is going to run away with this championship. Um, Alex Polo literally doesn't have to turn up this weekend, and he'll still be leading the championship uh, coming out of Road America, probably by a sizable distance, because let's face it, he is the most consistent driver in the series, other than 2022 Will Power, who, uh, who was hyper-consistent himself, living in and around the top three, top four. But yeah, Road America is a funny one because it's the longest circuit, which means that yellows can be very, very interesting in the fact that you get you can have a, a yellow come out where um, one of those where IndyCar will keep will keep the yellow away so people can get into the pits because the accident may be so far around the track. But also the fact that if an instant yellow comes out because of a proper dangerous multi-car pileup, that can really wreck people's races because it's just such a long track. It's over four miles long. It's about the equivalent length of Spa um, for uh, all those F1 fans or just, a, uh, yeah, maybe just a little bit shorter. But um, it's well longer than anything like a Silverstone or a Monza. Um, it's a full, nearly a kilometre longer. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful track. 
Um, one that virtually everyone needs to do well at except Alex Pillow, which means that Alex Pillow will win the race because that's how this works um, with uh, the uh, the IndyCar series. But, you know, you should be so impressed by how consistent um, the two Ganassi cars have been. And normally Ganassi sort of struggle in the first half of the season and they come powering through in the second half. Well, you know... If this this could be this could really spell trouble for for Team Penske if they do so. You know their main competitors. Um, I certainly think McLaren need a, a strong weekend. Um, Pato Award and Callum Lot are the two that certainly needed the wake the break because we talk about momentum a lot, but there is of course such a thing as negative momentum, and uh, it it was it was like they went backwards both uh, Hunkos and. Um, and McLaren. So those are the two that really needed the weekend off, as did Graham Ray Hall, as we talked about on the last podcast. So, you know, lots of food for thought um, for this weekend. And yeah, the uh, the 55 laps of Road America are going to be good fun, and I'm very much looking forward to them. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, as you said, Chip Ganassi so strong this season. Three out of the top four are Chip Ganassi drivers. I don't think that kind of you need to state any more about how consistent Chip Ganassi have been this season. Just kind of no real race, race weekends where we're not seeing a Chip Ganassi car performing badly. And, you know, I, I we, 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 we talked about Pato Award a lot. And certainly a guy who kind of has a rope kind of chucked, kind of pulling his car back at the moment is Pato Award. And um, certainly I would be holding that rope very tightly before he tries to chuck his uh, McLaren car up any inside um it's just kind of doing any dive bomb business like he did on scott dixon at long beach and again in, against santino ferrucci around detroit and um certainly i'd be just asking him if i was zach brown i'd go to him and say pado mate we need a clean race from you you are fifth in the championship uh you've shown great pace all season but you just you need you need to finish a race mate Kind of in the in a similar way, uh, Andretti is doing to Roman Grosjean, but uh, you know, McLaren certainly do need a weekend uh, where they do show up because, yeah, we're talking about we're talking about Penske, we're talking about Ganassi, uh, we're not really talking about McLaren at the moment, and who knows, um, McLaren could perform well this weekend, and uh, certainly uh, Alexander Pelot does he just doesn't need to show up, he's leading by so much. Yeah. Well, yeah, if, if he starts the race and uh, gets around one lap, he will earn five points, meaning he will leave the championship. Uh, he will leave with the championship lead. Um, but that's all we've got time for this week. Um, we will have, of course, a full review next week. And um, that will, of course, uh, be good because who knows if they may spring up a surprise, both the Canadian Grand Prix and the... Um, Sancio Grand Prix of Road America. They both take place virtually at the same time. The IndyCar starts first at 6 p.m. UK time before the F1 kicks off at 7. So we're going to have to go side by side um, for the conclusion of the IndyCar and then watching the start of the F1. It's on Sky Sports Mix for the IndyCar and, of course, the F1 channel for Sky Sports F1. And, um, and who knows? Could spring up a few surprises. Once again, thanks to Taron. Uh, for his insight in all of these podcasts and um, this has been the Single Seater Space podcast on the 15th of June and we will catch you next week. Goodbye.